Hello everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Wright. Got a great episode here for you tonight. We'll be joined by our guest, Tom. Now, Tom had an encounter back in the 1970s, and he's kind of kept it to himself pretty much these last almost 50 years. But he was willing to come on the show tonight and share it with us. Before we jump into Tom's story, if you've had an encounter or have a story to share, please contact me at tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or YouTube and send me a message there. We're going to go ahead and jump on into Tom's story, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome Tom to the show. Tom's had some experiences years ago, and he was willing enough to come on the show and share those with us. So everybody, welcome Tom to the show. Tom, thanks for coming out. Hey, good morning. I hope that you're having a good day. Oh, not too bad. Nice weather out here. Yeah, same here. I live in Washington State now. The encounter that I had was in 1976 on the southern Oregon coast, a place called the Ten Mile Lakes. Um, My entire family was involved in this. My, My younger brother, my mom, my dad, who was a cop for a little town called Lakeside, Oregon, and um, we were in our boat clear at the back end of these lakes, which are 10 miles long, which is why they're called 10-mile lakes, and it was a really late May afternoon, really sunny, warm, um, made a really good time on the Oregon coast, and we were fishing. It's a, it's a great bass fishing lake. Um, I just caught a couple of really nice fish, and my younger brother said, Hey, what's that? And I looked up and what I saw was what I thought would be a really large brownish black bear running on two feet from one side of the valley floor to the other side of the valley floor and going into the trees. But it was, it was running really fast. Um, I, I asked, I asked my dad, you know, is that a bear? And he said, bears can't run on two feet. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, I don't know. And when it disappeared in the trees, it was quiet for a little while. And then there was a, uh, the weirdest vocal sounds that I had ever heard. It started off kind of sounding like for all practical purposes i guess you would say it kind of sounded like a donkey that turned into a tiger and just the sheer length and the volume that it had was uh it it was pretty weird yeah that's the only word i could i could i could make up for it and then it started making these whoop sounds you know like i mean actual whoops that were that were loud as well and then from the tree line that it had ran out of before it crossed that valley. So on one side of this arm, you have trees and you have a little valley. And uh, on the other side, you have trees again. Um, pretty rural area, pretty forested area. Um, there was another vocalization of something that was a mimic of almost the first one. Different tone, but the same kind of sound. Started off kind of like a donkey for lack of a better explanation, that turned into a tiger. 
And then there was whoops coming from that tree line. And then the, uh, the first one that we saw, well, we only saw the one, but the, the, the one that we saw made that same sound again. But this time it was much more, it was louder and it was much more threatening. Uh, for lack of a better word, it was like, I don't even know how to describe the, the feeling that came with that, with that roar, but it was a roar that was almost debilitating. Um, it made some other whoops. It did another roar. This one wasn't as loud as the, as the, as the preceding one. And by this time, my mom and my dad was like, I think we should leave this end of the lake. So we fired up the boat, rolled back into town, and uh, we didn't go back to that side of the lake for a year. And we were watching, again, this was in 76, and they had put out a, a movie about Bigfoot or Sasquatch or something like that, and it showed the, uh, the picture uh, or the video of the Wright-Patterson film which this, what we saw was running and it was really fast. So I can't say that it looked like that. The size and the dimensions would be, would be approximate, I would guess. Um, but then at the end of that commercial, it had a cop, it had a recording of one of their vocalizations and it was extremely close to what we heard. And me and my brother looked at each other. My brother was younger, you know, he's four years younger than I, I was 12 and he immediately just started crying because I mean, I mean, this, the roar was really something else. Um, and I was like, man, that's what we heard. And I made the mistake of telling a kid at school what we had seen and heard. And pretty much the rest of my time at school district was miserable because I was constantly ridiculed. I was constantly bullied. Um, just, uh, it was a mistake for me to tell anybody about it. I'm 60 years old now, um, but the thing that I saw, I can never unsee. The thing that I heard, I can never unhear. My story has never changed. My brother's story has never changed. My mom, and she's now passed away, but my dad, all of our stories remain exactly the same, you know, and why somebody would try to hoax somebody out there like that in, in the back end of a lake where nobody would be, uh, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. But just the sheer speed of how fast this thing moved on two feet and the sheer volume of of the vocalizations, I don't think a human being is capable of making that sound for that that volume and, and that long. And I uh I pretty much tucked that away for years. Didn't really think about it, didn't really talk about it after I left the Oregon coast. Didn't really tell anybody about it moved up here to, I was across the United States for quite a while, came back to Western Washington. I was up on a river here in Southwest Washington and I had almost the same vocalization. This time it was accompanied with tree knocks, which that in turn made me go back and rethink what I had seen and heard. And then I started diving into this, just wanting to understand more and my belief is that there seems to be an active group up here by where we fish. Um, I have not seen another. I've smelled it. 
I found, like I said, I found tree breaks. I found some other really interesting stuff that I don't have any explanation for. I don't subscribe to, I've had people try to tell me that these things teleport and they do all kinds of weird things. And I don't know if I really subscribe to any of that. I believe that this is some kind of a undiscovered species. You know, I don't think that personally, I don't think that I've ever seen a UFO. So I can't say I've seen a UFO next to a Bigfoot. Um, I just think that this is, I don't know if they're primate or if they're human. I know that there's a, a paper out now by Dr. Melba Ketchum, or Ketchum that says that her DNA and genome sequences have proved these out to be modern human, yet not, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> not homo sapien. So if it's not homo sapien, but modern human, exactly what is it? I don't, you know, we don't know yet. And so now I'm into this. I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole. I don't think everything I hear in the woods is Bigfoot. Um, I don't think everything I see in the woods is Bigfoot. Yet we've had, we, we have an active group going on up here where we fish that I have no explanations for. And so that in turn put me in contact with uh, a Facebook Bigfoot fan page. And eventually I've, you know, I was put, I was put in contact with you and I was, I was a little apprehensive about sharing the story just because, you know, the, the ridicule that I faced most of my life over this or during, during the better yet better would be better said the part of my life when I shared this with anybody, um, has been very real, but I still can't unsee what I saw. Still can't unhear what I heard, and I still have no explanation for the weird stuff I found in the woods. You know, bears don't do what I found. Bears don't break trees over and twist them. You know, I mean, they just don't do it. There's no antler marks on the trees that I found that have been broken. So it's not an elk or a deer pushing them over. It's, the trees have been broken and twisted over. Uh, I don't know anything in the woods that does that. So my uh, my thinking is that. I believe that more people would come out and talk about the things that they've seen or heard if this was more of a, an open forum is good, like what you're doing here. Um, especially where people can talk about what they've seen and heard and not face, you know, ridicule and a, and a bunch of, I call them morons that just refuse to see what they, what can be seen or hear what can be heard. You know, why would we all make up these stories why would we face, you know, in my case, 38 years of, or 48 years of, of straight ridicule, you know, why would I do that? I have no reason to do that. I'm not getting paid. I've, you know, I mean, I, I have no reason. And I'm, I mean, I'm not the guy that is just going to go out there and put myself out on blast or front street so that people can, uh, can ridicule me. That's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a pretty private person. I got a very deep faith in my country, my God. And, uh, I have a real small group of people that I, that I stay really associated with my friends, you know? Um, but maybe it's time that my story be told, you know, it's nothing spectacular. I wasn't, I didn't have big rocks thrown at me or carry away in a sleeping bag or any of the other stuff that I've heard people say, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that didn't happen. I just know that what I had, what I had happen is different. I have no explanation for it. And, 
maybe it's time that I start, you know, just put it out there. And so it might encourage other people to say what's happened to them. And that's well, pretty I much it in a nutshell. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sharing. Um, about how big, if you could guess, do you think it was? Like when you seen it running away, if you had to guess like height-wise. If I was going to guess, I'd say eight or nine feet. It was pretty big. Impossible for me to make a guess on weight, you know, because I was, I mean, I was just a kid. But whatever it was, was it was big and it was definitely moving fast. Yeah. The speed that that thing ran with is, uh, uh, I, man, I'm telling you, the th- the speed that that thing ran with was something else. Now, so like it when was it definitely two feet. When it was running, like the actual gait of how it was running, did it look more human-like of a gait, or did it look more animalistic? If I could put a, I would say that it would, it would look like a giant track star running, <laughs> because I mean it definitely had a had a head down, um, not feet on the ground, but just as just as hind feet on the ground, had a head down, running tilted forward and straight booking. I kind of like get the image of like a football player, like running in for a tackle. Kind of. Yeah. I've seen videos of stuff like that where people are, I don't know if they're obviously you don't know everything that you see on the internet. I can't believe that it's real or not, but I've seen videos and a lot of them, their arms aren't moving. It didn't look natural. So did you notice if the arms were swinging or anything? You know, I would I would say yes, but you know that was forty plus years ago, and so I can't I can't I, you know in my mind I I absolutely would say yes, but could I put a hundred percent on it? Um, no, I don't. I I couldn't say a hundred percent. I was more I was more blown away with the absolute speed with the way this thing moved. Yeah. Uh, from what I've seen and what I've read and everything else, like the speed of them from how they just go from one area to another, then right up a hill, everything, it just doesn't seem natural. It's definitely, if it's someone out in the woods pretending to be these things, there's no way they can climb these hills as quick as they can up these cliffs and everything else. There's got to be some sort of explanation of what they are. And I don't believe everyone out there is just making hoaxes or someone out there just making up stories because like you said what's the point of being ridiculed your whole life about something you're not gaining anything from it besides being looked at as the crazy person in town or something you know what i mean yeah so no i've known several people that have seen things and they refuse to even talk about it because not so much bigfoot but just weird things in general because they don't want that perception of themselves to be ridiculed because that's how society is these days. We're all programmed to write things off and what we don't typically see or know it's automatically got to be faked. Just like all these pictures that someone posts online, if it's blurry, well, it's fake. And if you see a clear picture or something, well, it's automatically fake because it's too clear of a picture. I was like, so how's anyone going to have any sort of evidence if you're literally are just writing everything off, no matter what it is. Right. So, now have you ever heard of the Sierra yeah. Seance? 
uh, the Sierra sounds. Yeah, that's Ab- absolutely. Yeah, that's what I. Everyone talks about the sounds that they make this and that. I always think of that one because that's the one I've watched studies on them recently. They've had like a language expert did all sorts of tracing and everything. He's basically said just from the vocal patterns and everything else, there's no way that those were made by a human. But he depicted right. almost like a language through them. So yes, yeah. So the thing that I that I read on that was that they absolutely have all of the trademarks that's not the word that he used but but he used all of there's a word but i can't think of it right now but we'll just stay with trademarks it had all of the trademarks for an absolute language and yet not any known language that's ever been heard before and they have no idea of what it was except there seems to be two of them that were using the same language talking back and forth yeah they were like chattering back and forth now Mm -hmm. So you think they're more like just an undiscovered primate? Yeah. Again, I, I would I, I would say an undiscovered primate, but then that this paper released by this Melba Ketchum, um, Dave Polites has been on a on a five year mission basically for um collecting DNA evidence. And from the stuff that I watched and that I read, the DNA is supposed to be a dead match, whether it's in Alaska, Oregon, Washington, California, Florida, even as far over as Russia. They they have the exact same DNA and genomes. And she's she has published a paper and she said that it's under peer re, peer review, but there's absolutely no way it's going to be denied because she has absolute proof that it is what it is. And, um, again, she said that it is her, her, uh, DNA tests say that it's modern human, not homo sapien. So whatever that means, I don't know. I'm not a, <laughs> a biologist and I'm not a scientist. I'm just, uh, I'm just a small town boy that grew up on the Oregon coast that saw something that had no explanation. They've been reclassifying certain like ancestral spinoffs from us like neanderthals and the cro-magnums or whatever and i'm pretty sure that the dna from like cro-magnum i think they're now listing them as like modern man but not homo sapien so it's like they're trying to classify these like these off branches of evolutionary to where we came from basically but now they're all calling them modern man even though we're not the same so that's funny that that's well, what they're considering yeah. that too. So I wonder if, uh, again, maybe I don't know ancient history. I wasn't obviously there. So it's just a bunch of guessing for me, but I wonder if it's not just an offshoot from like the Cro-Magnum and like the Neanderthal, like this was another species of basically what we became from, but like it didn't evolve into humans. It just kept going more of its old ways. Cause I know there's a, there used to be like the Gigantopithecus, the big, tall ape creature from like the Chinese era back in hundred thousand years ago before the yeah, ice age. But uh, yeah, I, I always thought that it would be a Gigantopithecus, a Gigantopithecus or some offshoot of, of an ape. Um, I don't know if that's really what I believe now. I mean, I don't know what I believe. I just, you know, this this is all so much up in the air. I mean, I, what is it? What what are these things? 
And here's, here's the re- really interesting thing. So growing up and living in the Pacific Northwest pretty much all my life, except for some extended time in Florida and then in Idaho, um, I've always been around, I've always lived in logging communities, you know, smaller towns where we where I mean, logging is huge in my part of the world. So if these are some form of a human, or no matter what they are, maybe this is why our government has refused to acknowledge them. If this is some some form of human or some form of great ape, now we label this, if there's proof of it, now we label this as an endangered species. That would immediately shut down logging pretty much everywhere in the north, in the northwest, probably throughout the United States. Now, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but if that's what these are, just saying, if the if our government has known about them, maybe they haven't been willing to put it out that they know what these are because of the logging industry. You know, then where do we get lumber? Where do we get building materials for our houses, where do we get paper? You know, I mean, it, I mean, that puts a, that puts, that would put a severe handicap on our entire country because I mean, there's a large portions of our country that's into logging, but I mean, toilet paper, you know, I mean, toilet paper comes from, comes from trees, writing paper at school. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish that I had more answers. I wish that I wish that there was a place where I could just go and sit down and sit and have somebody say, this is what they are. This is what we know. This is why we've done it. And no, you're not crazy. And all of the years of ridicule and whatever is you're definitely on time. You know, I mean, but that doesn't exist. And so I, it is what it is. And I just deal with it. But if these things are proven out. Logging's going to stop. Is that is hunting going to stop? What happens to our way of life in the United States? No, I agree with that. That's kind of how I am too. I think the government does know about these things. And I believe 100% what you said, they don't want to talk about it because it would basically, you already have all these regulations and stuff for endangered species. And if something like that was a modern it comes back to be like modernized man, just an offshoot of man, and they are an endangered species. That's going to disrupt all sorts of logging and any type of modernization in areas where they're still building. We're basically tearing down their natural habitat. So that just puts a big damper on everything. So I think that's kind of why you don't necessarily hear more about it. And I think when people do encounter them, they're just written off because that's what the status quo needs to be because we need to make sure that we're not disrupting the common, I don't know what word to use, but basically the common way of a life. We need, we need the wood, we need the paper, we need all that stuff. So if we start making it to where it's hard to get into these things and we can't log, we can't use the wood for papers and everything else. And it's going to be a big disruption and cause more issues for the normal human beings. So it's like they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But no, I um Go ahead. I don't really know. Go ahead. Like I said, I don't really know a hundred percent sure of what they are, what they could be, or anything like that. This is all just discussion. But I don't 
I don't see any personal reasons as to why people would make these things up, why the government would hide them, where the bodies are going. Like it all just to me, it's goes back to the whole situation of even ancient native Americans. They all talked about them in their stories. So it's like, yes, even I'm pretty sure I forget. I'd have to look it up. I'm pretty sure like not so much Columbus, but like even the Vikings, when they were here before Columbus, they mentioned in their stories encountering tall, hairy men. So it's like, yep. that's been almost a thousand years ago. So at this point, it's like they had to have encountered something. But, mm-hmm. So you said that second encounter, you just kind of heard the vocalizations and everything. So does it sound more of like there was two of them or just the one, or are you not sure? Um, one. So that was, um, again, I live in Southwest Washington. I won't name the river. Um, I'm, I'm a tournament level bass fisherman, but I'm also an extremely skilled, um, salmon and stillhead fisherman. The beauty of living in the Northwest is we always have something in the rivers or in the lakes that are biting, you know? And, it was salmon season and um, I was fishing. You know, there's a, it's about a 600 yard walk from where you park your car down through a trail down to the riverside. And I, uh, I was down there fishing. I had my son and another friend of mine. Um, we'll, we'll just, we'll call him Nick. Okay. Because I'm, I don't want to just put him out on blast and not have, you know, not, not be covering him but myself my son and my friend nick was down there fishing and the first thing we heard was like a whistle and it was just a single whistle started off kind of low and went higher pitch kind of like like that well this is the middle of the night man and owls don't sound like that you know and i'm like what the heck was that and then we had two tree knocks. I carry a wooden baseball bat so I can smack a salmon on the head. I don't like to see anything suffer. You know, if I'm going to kill a fish, I want it to be done real fast. Um, so I took a tree or I took a tree. I took my bat and I smacked a tree and something smacked a tree back. Um, and I was like, okay, that's weird. No, I'd heard about this stuff, but I never experienced this. So I did it again. And it happened again. Um, then there was, uh, there was a period of probably 20, 30 minutes where it was quiet. And then we heard that same, that same kind of sound that sounded like, like the brain of a donkey or something that turned into an absolute roar of like a big cat or something. And I'm like, Dude, that's the same sound that I heard in, in, in Southern Oregon. I almost said California. I was never in California to hear that. Um, as, you know, that I heard in Southern Oregon. Um, we heard that two or three more times. And weird thing is, I, I don't, could just be coincidence, but once the roar happened, now I do have a theory, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. Once the roar happened, the bite completely stopped. I mean, just the fish weren't biting anymore at all. Um, I, I do know for a fact by studying and by reading, because I read everything, 
that tigers have when they roar they have something that's called infrasound and fish now the infrasound is is lower than than what your human ear hears but your body is able to feel it tigers when they roar at an animal basically the animal freezes in its tracks out of fear and that's how tigers kill them fish has what's called a lateral line which is a whole bunch of nerve endings and i just wonder if the uh infrasound from that roar penetrated the water you know to where the fish felt it because of the, the nerve endings on the lateral line and they moved away from the from the hole or they just quit i mean whatever for whatever reason once that roar happened there was no bites to be had it did not happen at all and so we we just packed up and headed out of there that's interesting and that's actually pretty good point because i've also also heard about the infrasound and stuff too with tigers and i know some people have said they've had encounters with sasquatch or something they've also mentioned something about infrasound so it does seem plausible that that would be part of the reason why the fish would stop because like you said with the lateral lines on them running they would be able to feel that it's like that vibration or whatever and they'd be able to pick that up so that does make sense to me yeah, and I mean, it was immediate. We had a pretty good, I mean, it's a pretty good fishing hole that we fished, but that was absolutely immediate. As soon as, I just made a mess. Wonderful. As soon as, soon as that, as soon as that sound went off, the fish bite stopped completely. That's definitely bizarre. But Yeah, kind of weird, huh? Yeah, it's weird how all that stuff kind of just goes about and kind of just reaffirms at least to you and whoever else that goes along with it, that it, to me, it makes sense. But like I said, I'm not a scientist or anything like that. So I'm sure some bookworm would write it off as this and this because they don't have an open mind. Yeah. But. So that all of that caused me to start really looking around in the woods around where we fish down here. I think that I had sent you some pictures of dirt dug out from the roots of trees. And so there's large, you know, we got Douglas fir and we got cedar. That's, that's the main makeup of our trees out here. Um, we do have a lot of alder and there's some maple, but you know, I mean, we have, we have hardwoods, but the main makeup of our trees in Southwest Washington is Douglas fir and, and red cedar and some spruce. Um, they're walking around in the woods surrounding the trail that goes down to where we fish. And I found spots where the dirt had been dug out from the roots of these trees that was on this hillside. And then sticks had been broken and just jabbed in the dirt and leaned in front of the holes around the roots. Oh, okay, sure. Maybe it's a person, but then the, that makes me ask why, you know? What are they doing? Why would they do that? And especially out, I mean, there's nothing out there, you know? I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't a place where your kids are going to go play. I mean, maybe, but I don't know of a bear ever doing anything like that or raccoons. Uh, I don't think a raccoon could break the branches that we've seen. And why would they jab them in the dirt in front of the holes that they dug around the roots of the trees? And um, 
And that in turn opened up. I started finding other stuff, and that was when I discovered a tree break and all kinds of stuff out there. How deep are these holes? They probably go back, oh, I don't know, a foot, foot and a half at the most. I wonder if it's like their way of trying to catch something. Yeah, you know, maybe. I, I don't know. Interestingly, around the same tree, I found a couple of dug fir branches that had been broke off at both ends. All the bark peeled, and one of them, and, and both of those were leaning, one was leaning up against a tree. It was probably five foot long as far as the branch that was broken off and peeled. Um, and the other one was probably four foot long, and it was laying on the ground kind of to the side of the tree. And it was probably four or five inches thick at one point. And it had been broken at both ends. It had been peeled, but it had also been split in half. Now, I don't know how what the, I mean, I have no explanation for that one at all. I don't know how they split it. You know, I don't know if their fingers are so strong they're able to grab a hold of it and pull it apart. If they have teeth that they use to bite it and pull it apart. If they have some sort of rudimentary tool. I mean, dude, I, I have no idea. It's just the stuff that I found. And it's not something that you just commonly would find out in the woods, you know? I mean, that, that just doesn't happen like that. I know, like, a lot of people just write that off as someone out there doing that, but. Yeah, it is strange that you would just find that out in the middle of nowhere. Like, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, with this, whatever this species is, there's a lot more questions than there are answers. Yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things where I know people have encountered what they call nest, which I'm not so sure that they'd be out there building nests because I don't, I don't know too many modernized primates if that's what they are that build a bunch of nests like that but i don't know where they go either so especially like i don't know how it is up there if there's any cave systems or anything like that but i know there's people that think they come from the caves they live on the hillsides like they have to go somewhere and obviously like if they are more of the gene of the modern human i can see them actually trying to trap hunting stuff like that so it is just a bunch of stuff that goes on that i can't explain it no one can really explain it to me they everyone has their own theories of what this could be but until we actually have a hundred percent proof which again that's debatable of when if that ever comes about because i don't know if they want that out there so it's just right now it's just our own theories of what we're thinking yeah. Um, has there been anything so else? I used to believe. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, I'll just add, I used to believe that this would be a, a uh, an undiscovered primate, a great ape. Um, there does seem to be evidence of gorillas in, in the Congo that make some form of rudimentary nest. I don't know that that they're anywhere near as explicit with 
or complicated with the stuff that um, it has been found up in the Olympic Peninsula. Um, I looked at that pretty hard, did not go and see it. I'm 60 years old. I got a bad knee. Um, I'm not trying to hike up and down mountainsides where, man, something has to happen to me, man. I, I, I don't know how I'd get out of there, you know? Um, but there seems to be some, some proof of these nests. There seems, there seems to be quite a bit documented on them. I don't know what would make it. What kind of where I was going with that also was when I was really believing this was just a um, some sort of um, of, of an undocumented or a North American ape. Um, I believed that these things were just uh, herbivores, that they weren't omnivores or carnivores, because I didn't I didn't personally study deep enough into them to have an understanding that would be based on anything other than just a feeling. Um, seems to be that most every Indian or Native American tribe has had multiple encounters with these, and I have changed my opinion to you know there the words for those mostly mean for, for the from the Native American tribes, probably the most common of the wording in their language would mean the other people or the forest brother. Um, yeah, talk about these things out. Absolutely hunting. Um, but I don't, I still don't see anything that shows them using weapons of any sort, except for maybe throwing rocks and sticks or logs because they're huge. Um, I think that this is, I think that if, if this all proves out, I think that we as a species will have our mind really, lack of a better term, blown away by what these things are and what they do. And that again is going to probably open up a whole ball of worms concerning our economy, concerning the world. Um, you know, I, I just, I think that I would have to agree with with that Dr. Ketchum who says that there's some form of a modern human. Which, interestingly, also begs the question, you know, I don't watch a lot of the Finding Bigfoot shows because most of them, I think, are a bunch of hacks. However, these people from Expedition Bigfoot, I've kind of watched them more than anybody. I think that they're closer. They found, they found fur in Northern California. They took it and had it analyzed. And... The fur came from, or the hair samples came from a form of a red wolf that's only native to Alaska. So how in the heck do you get fur or hair samples of a red wolf that's only native to Alaska? California hasn't had wolf in it for over 100 years, you know, or more. So are these things making skins and, and or tapes or coats or you know kind of makes and all of all of those things put together is what makes me really lean towards some form of modern human do they have tools are they really wearing are they wearing skins you know i mean because how does how do those hairs get from alaska to northern california yeah that is strange 
I guess I go back to the whole thing of they're not just native to here. They're seen in all sorts of countries. Not Every, they're I'm pretty sure everywhere. they have some yeah, down in Australia too, which that's not landlocked with anything. So where did they all come from? They've had to originate somewhere, just like humans at some point we've evolved and spread out. So almost every continent has their own version of what we know as Sasquatch. So it just makes you wonder, Mm -hmm. like, all these other countries, if they know about them, they all have to be all in agreement to hide it because you don't really hear about them acknowledging it either. So it's strange to me that everyone can't get along in general for every other reason, but for some reason the world can come together and be like, no, we're just going to pretend these things don't exist. That's the part that really makes me question things because it's like, what is the reasoning of why the entire world would government systems or whatever would all be in unison on this to hide it from the general public? That's the one question I can't ever come up with a plausible explanation for. That's a really valid question. So like I said, I I don't try and really, really valid question. I don't try and like be skeptical on this aspect because I do believe there's something out there, but I always remain skeptical with everything. So I try to look at it from both sides. And to me, it just doesn't make sense as to why everyone can agree that, no, we don't want anyone to know that these things exist. So there, to me, there's gotta be more reasoning than just an endangered species. There's gotta be something else with it. And I, like I said, I can't for the life of me think of anything of what that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently responded to a guy's post that said that he believed that our government had been playing with D, with genomes and DNAs in order to form a new super warrior. And I, my response was, okay, so how did, how did they do that when we weren't a country and we had no technology and these things the first recorded, um, instance of these was in the 1720s by the pilgrims. You know, I mean, how did it work out then? I'm not so sure that that's the real reason. And if they are here, I think there's something that's been here. But I do know, um, I've actually interviewed somebody on like my second episode. He talked about what they call dog man. And Uh he encountered something like that. And he said with his research over the last eight years of looking into it since he saw something that he's come across things where the government's been like supposedly doing the same thing, like trying to make a weapon out of things by splicing DNA and everything else. So it's like, it all kind of goes back to that aspect of that whole conspiracy that the government's doing stuff like this, but I don't necessarily think a Sasquatch is government created. I think that's something if it is here, it's more or less, been yeah. here but far as the whole dog man and stuff right. like that i can't explain that stuff either to me it's bizarre no well, brandon i'm supposed to go and sit with some uh tribal leaders from the macaw indian reservation which is up in the far north of the olympic peninsula i was supposed to do that a couple of weeks ago but uh i had some things come up and i wasn't able to do that but um Maybe you and I will have a conversation after I'm done visiting with these people. Um, 
what I told him was I wasn't interested in, in trying to record anything. I'm not bring a, trying to bring a camera crew. I don't want anything. I just would like to sit and talk with tribal elders and learn about their history and their whatever interactions they had had with Sasquatch. And they had agreed to that. And so um, if you would like to have a conversation on that later, I would I would be happy to have a conversation with that. I don't know that I would be able to divulge any inf- any information other than general stories of what they tell me because I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to betray their trust. I'd definitely be interested in hearing some if they're okay with that. But yeah. Well, again, I do appreciate you coming out and sharing your story with me. I know it's something you've kind of kept close to you over these years and haven't really shared it with anyone. So I do appreciate you coming forward with it. No worries. And, um, yeah, if you have this meeting and you talk with them and you got any stories that you're able to share, please get hold of me and I'd like to hear them. All right, brother. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, have a good day. And that's our show, everyone. Again, I'd like to thank Tom for coming out tonight and sharing his experience. It's been one of those situations where he's had to feel like he's kept it inside. Now he's willing to talk about it, so definitely appreciate him sharing with me tonight. And again, if you've had an encounter or have a story you'd like to share, send me a message. You can get a hold of me on Facebook or send me an email to tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com and we'll get you scheduled for a future episode. Good night, everyone.